If you watch a newscast today, download a news video, listen to the radio or a podcast, then you are benefiting from the work of Lowell Thomas. In the 1930s, Lowell Thomas was arguably more famous than any American journalist has ever been. He dominated both network radio news and the newsreels shown in movie theaters back when they represented the only chance a mass national audience had to hear or see rather than just read the news. His voice, his face, his take on contemporary events were almost unavoidable. Lowell Thomas, a creative, entrepreneurial, technically savvy figure, helped create 20th century American journalism. And in the process, he helped determine how America saw the world in a century in which America dominated the world. Intrigued? Well, so were Rick and Melinda Moulton, producers of the acclaimed PBS release documentary, Voice of America, Lowell Thomas and the Rise of Broadcast News. Lehigh University is hosting a free public screening of the director's cut of Voice of America on Friday, September 16th at 7 p.m. in Neville Hall. Both Rick and Melinda will be on hand for what should be a lively Q&A after the film. This is WDIY 88.1 Lehigh Valley Public Radio, and you are tuned into Lehigh Valley Art Salon. I remain Kate Scuffle, your host, and we'll start this evening's show by talking with producer-director Rick Moulton and associate producer Melinda Moulton about Lowell Thomas, documentaries, and why a free press is the foundation of liberty and freedom in this country. After the break, we'll be joined by William Crow, director of the Lehigh University Art Galleries, to talk about the exciting new year of exhibitions, talks, community events, and more that's coming up at the galleries. But for now, thank you so much for joining us today, Rick and Melinda. Oh, thank you, Kate, for having us. It's a real joy to be with you. Yeah, joy to be uh, on the radio with you. <laughs> Ironically, given Lowell Thomas's background. And that's a wonderful <laughs> overlap for us here as a public radio station. I'm wondering, could you, Brick, maybe tell us a little bit about what initially drew you to Lowell Thomas as a subject of a documentary like this for a documentary filmmaker like yourself? Well, actually, I was lucky enough to hear him speak at Dartmouth College when I was a little youngster, so his name was always in the background in my mind, Lowell Thomas. But I actually worked with Lowell in uh, the early 1980s on a documentary, and I really uh, had time traveling around with him, because when I said, we'll come down and film you at your estate in Pauline, he said, no, no, I'd much rather come up to Vermont. <laughs> I love it up there. And it turned into a four-day odyssey traveling around the state. And I really uh, had some time with the man, but I had no understanding of the breadth of his uh, career. In fact, until I um, began to research him after the fact, and I'd have to mention that he died on the last day we finished our filming with him. Mm. So, I mean, that just stayed in my head and, uh, you know, was such an exclamation point that I had to find out more about him. I didn't know he had discovered Lawrence of Arabia in World War I in 1918 and made him, made Lawrence of Arabia a household word in the early 1920s. And, of course, that led to the film we all know by David Lean, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. But that expression, that coined mystique, came from Lowell Thomas. So we discovered in his collection of materials the original films that were taken of Lawrence in 1918, oh. and they were still there, 35-millimeter film, glass slides, uh, you know, beautiful hand-painted glass slides that he used in this multimedia show that made Lawrence the first media superstar. So finding these incredible uh, things, I thought that was the story. I was on fire with the idea of Lawrence 
creation of myth, this super uh, media personality, and then discovered the real story was his invention of broadcast news, mm. that he was the first one to give a coast-to-coast on two networks, or only two radio networks. He was on both of them, giving the national news, the first national news on radio. And that became uh, the story to see how the three-network universe, how that all really came into being, and how Thomas left us with this wonderful standard uh, where you could have varying opinions about the news, but you shared a truthful set of facts. Mm. That really became the crux of the story, although we certainly show him uh, creating Lawrence with the exciting original materials and uh, and we have marvelous people talking about the role Thomas played in their lives. Tom Brokoff, Dan Rather, even the Dalai Lama. That's right. He actually was able to meet with the Dalai Lama before the Chinese invaded, wasn't he? Right. When he was the spiritual and actual ruler of Tibet, and he was the only Westerner given an audience with the Dalai Lama, who was 14 years old at the time. Mm. Now, I think that's why the Tibetans invited Thomas there. They knew he was a very influential media personality, and they thought, well, maybe if the West learns about our plight, they'll come to our aid. And so they invited Thomas in, and he was doing these broadcasts that were uh, sent by runner down into India, the tapes, and then right to New York City and broadcast uh, on his uh, radio show from Tibet. And um, Thomas remained a lifelong friend of the Dalai Lama, and really helped Tibetan refugees throughout his uh, lifetime. And uh, I think his work goes on with charities that he set up. It also feels like he set the, it was a role model for foreign correspondence, which was part of the way he influenced Americans' view of the world, because he went out into the world and brought it back to us. Exactly. He is the, uh, you know, the Indiana Jones of uh, the intrepid journalist who's there getting the story, whether it's out in the deserts of Arabia or up in the mountains of the Himalayas. He really was all over the world and countless trips around the world. I think it was Cronkite who said, you know, he packed more, you know, than a dozen lifetimes of adventure in one lifetime. And Melinda, you have an, I mean, this is a Lehigh screening, Lehigh University, you have an unusual, well, maybe not unusual, a family connection here to the Valley, although you guys have been in Vermont for these past few decades. Can you share that with our audience a bit? Absolutely. Thank you, Kate. Yes, um, I was born and raised in Allentown, and my father and grandfather and great-grandfather had a construction company, general contracting company, H.E. Stout & Sons. And I believe all three of them went to Lehigh and graduated from Lehigh University. And the H.E. Stout and Son Construction Company and my grandfather in particular was responsible for quite a few of the buildings that were built at Lehigh. Mm. And um, so Lehigh was very important to our family and to our life. And I'm going back for my 55th high school reunion and thought, wow, you know, wouldn't it be fabulous to show this film, to show Rick's film at Lehigh while we're down there. And so that's how this all came to be. And But, yeah, my family's, you know, really tied in tightly with Lehigh, and, and I'm just, just so honored that they were willing to put forth the theater for us. We're delighted to have it. I mean, it's, there's no more timely film in a way than this film right now in our world. And and the screening with the director's cut, for our audiences, a director's cut will have new material, material that might have been trimmed down or, or not shown with the PBS screening, right? So this is kind of a debut all over again. 
That's really true, um, and I think that for the PBS version, you know, we made it 56 minutes. The director's cut, my favorite pieces that end up on the cutting room floor, uh, is about 85 minutes. So uh, there's a lot more material just for Lawrence, for example, instead of glossing it over in, you know, eight minutes, you know, there's a uh, you know, real presentation of about 18 minutes. So, you know, it's just more in-depth and a lot more wonderful footage and uh, old pictures and the uh, story behind how we ended up with such a, a wonderful, credible uh, news through uh, what I would call its golden years, uh, right up to about uh, the turn of the millennium. And, Rick, I want to add a couple of things here. Rick was given access at Marist College to the Lowell Thomas Archives, which is where he Mm -hmm. archived all of his work, which he owned, Mm -hmm. which is very different than today when the news media owns all of their work. Lowell owned all of it. It was uh, archived at Marist College. So Rick, for 22 years, has been researching, was researching Lowell Thomas and putting together in his mind this film. It's been a 22-year journey for him, and he actually traveled... Uh, over there, and it was based on a book that was Rick collaborated with Mitch Stevens from NYU, who wrote the book, uh, which was the companion piece to the film, uh-huh. and the two of them, and the and I have to really reach out to Anne Thomas, who is Lowell's granddaughter, who came forth and funded the film, and also uh, put together the trip for the filmmakers to go and do this journey up into the Himalayas and meet with the Dalai Lama and, and all that. So I want to give a shout-out, too, to Ann Thomas for her incredible support of this film about her grandfather. Well, it sounds like it has to be a, a very rewarding to her to have something treated with such care and that amount of research and love. I know for our audiences, it's all the more reason the screening at Lehigh will be fortunate enough to have you both there and available to do a Q&A after the film, which will already have more in-depth coverage and detail, as you said, Rick. So I think we're sadly running out of time, but a quick thought, do you think for um, younger people seeing the film, what do you think Lowell Thomas has to offer us as an example or a lesson right in this moment of media coverage that we're living in? Well, I think for me, very quickly, it's truth. Mm. Um, I think in the media where what, when you turned on the TV and listened to the news or when you, when you were at a movie theater and you had coming uh, Lowell Thomas Presents and he would put out the news of the world before you'd see a movie, it was truth. It was about truth. It was factual. It was what was really happening, and it's very different than it is today. So I think that's an important message of how, and how important a free press is. That's what our democracy is based on, and I think people have to remember that the reason we have a free press is that we get truthful information in order to base our thoughts around. And so that's an important message of the film, wouldn't you say, Rick? Yeah, and and we explore, you know, and I think it's said in the film, whether it's Tom Brokaw, talking about the universe of uh, the Internet and all the possibilities, unlimited possibilities that it offers. But as Melinda said, it becomes a subjective truth rather than uh, something that we all agree on the same facts. One of the great things about the film is seeing how America experienced itself for the first time in real time as we all shared facts. And we could have different opinions about the world events or how to react to them, but at least we shared in real time this same geist or this same uh, understanding of uh, what was going on because there was this truthful medium. And uh, now it's very uh, subjective truth, and we, we look at that. 
Thank you. It's been so inspiring to talk with both of you. I encourage our audiences. You've been listening to Lehigh Valley Arts Salon here on WDIY 88.1. And I've been talking with producers Melinda and Rick Moulton about their very timely PBS documentary, Voice of America, Lowell Thomas and the Rise of Broadcast News. Lehigh University will be hosting a free public screening of the Director's Cut of Voice of America on Friday, September 16th, 7 p.m., Neville Hall, with Melinda and Rick on hand for a Q&A afterwards. Thank you both so much. I'll see you then. Thank you, Kate. You, Bye-bye. You will indeed, and we'll be right back after this short break. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all of our programming possible. Becoming a member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure we'll be here for the next person in our community to discover. The many choices and real voices you hear every day would not be here without your support. Make your membership gift today by calling 610-694-8100 or at WDIY.org. Welcome back to Lehigh Valley Arts Salon here on WDIY 88.1, Lehigh Valley Public Radio. I'm your host, Kate Scuffle. And I'm joined now by Dr. William Crow, director of the Lehigh University Art Galleries. Welcome, William. It's delightful to have you with us. Oh, thanks so much, Kate. It's a pleasure to be here. If you don't mind, I thought I'd start by sharing a little bit of your latest director's message that I that was reading online, in which you say, My mind is brimming with questions these days. Not only the day-to-day ones, like whether I should wear a mask in certain social settings, but big philosophical ones. How have my priorities shifted over these past two years? What does it mean to live in a community? And how do my actions impact others? How do we work together to make positive change? Artists constantly engage with deep questions, and they can provide us with new ways of understanding our complex world. And sometimes, experiences with art can be transformative, causing us to completely revise our point of view. Great works of art often spark more questions than they answer. Join us at Lehigh University Art Galleries this fall to explore big questions together. I just love this idea of art as like a sparking or a jumping off point, something that raises questions, not just something we look at on a wall and gaze at. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, I have been a, a lifelong museum goer and explorer of art. And even as someone who has a lot of experience walking into museums and looking at objects and artworks, I often leave with so many more questions. And while sometimes, you know, people might find that unsettling, you know, gosh, you know, I'm, there's so many things in the world that we're really looking for concrete answers or we're looking for solutions. Sometimes it's through the process of posing the questions or thinking through an idea and sometimes maybe even sitting with ambiguity. Sometimes there are multiple questions and multiple answers that we really just have to sit with for some time. And so I believe that experiences with great works of art can really help our comfort level with that and also maybe help us transfer some of those skills to our daily lives as well, even when we're not looking at artworks. Hmm, That's interesting because I was looking at as well the community curated exhibition, What Matters Most, which is you know clearly connected to the idea of asking a question, what matters most. But it was interesting that you the galleries tended to have the interviewees or the folks they were speaking with pick a piece of art from the collection first as the sparking point for the conversation. 
exactly. We, um, you know, happen to have a really wonderful art collection at Lehigh. We're now at over 18,000 works of art. And so we, we did uh, restrict the selection a little bit to the 5,000 or so works that are available on our website. But we did. We asked community members and students and faculty and staff at Lehigh this somewhat, uh, you know, challenging question of what matters most to you right now and received such a broad range of answers, everything from climate change and issues of gender and identity to being an anti-racist. And it was really illuminating to listen to all of these different people, not only identify the issue that matters the most to them, but to talk it through while examining a work of art from our collection. And you know, the works of art aren't intended to necessarily be illustrations of those issues or topics, but rather catalysts to help us explore those ideas further, or maybe to ask more questions about some of those topics. And so we're really excited about that show. It's an exhibition that is located in five of our network of galleries on campus and also along the South Bethlehem Greenway through reproductions of of the works of art. And I'm particularly excited that there are some 30 videos that you can access through QR codes on the Greenway or on the labels in the exhibition. Mm. So you can experience firsthand uh, listening to these community members and how they're thinking through uh, what matters most to them through these works of art. That's fascinating. I, I should remind our listeners, too, that on the Greenway, Friday, October 7th at 5.30 on the Greenway, there's also yes. going to be an outdoor celebration of, of what matters most. We will. We'll have an outdoor celebration, and we're so grateful to our partners at the Southside Arts District and First Fridays on that date. And we really see it as a, a great opportunity for everyone to come outside and get to meet friends, colleagues, neighbors, and of course, get to explore the almost two mile long stretch along Greenway and looking at these works of art. And listening to the interviews as well, which is fascinating. The interviews were conducted by Lehigh students, interns with the galleries? They were. The majority were conducted by students who are in our museum studies okay. minor at Lehigh. And then uh, we had a couple of wonderful undergraduate interns who helped as well. It also, for me, as an educator, I, I was also fascinated to hear how these undergraduate students conducted these conversations and what some of those takeaways were, since, of course, they you know, are going to be leading so many of the things that we're trying to resolve in our communities in the future. I just think it's fascinating to take the pulse of the community at this time. There's been so much for the past few years that we've all experienced as a community, but we've been separated from each other and haven't gotten to have the conversation. Right. It's true. And in fact, a number of the contributors really spoke to the topic of connection with one another and social spaces, the importance of cohesive communities. And so I was particularly struck by a lot of those conversations. And I'm thinking the other big event coming, I shouldn't say big event, but the other, your internationally known artist, Shimon Atty, who is Lehigh's Forger Artist in Residence, has been with the, on the campus for a while, is working on creating, will be offering Starstruck, an American tale. Now, that's not a direct question, but it, it sounds like a fascinating exploration of us as a community in a whole different way, Bethlehem as a community. 
It is. We're really fortunate. Shimon Addy is really an internationally known artist. He's exhibited his work all over the world and most recently in New York City and San Francisco Bay where he did his Night Watch uh, series. But he has spent the past year with us at Lehigh and he's immersed himself in the community. He's gotten to know community members. And I I don't want to necessarily uh, give away too much description (laughs) of the work because it is really a work of art that rewards those who really come experience it in person, Mm. but it's resulted in a two-channel video installation along with an 11-foot-high steel reproduction of the Bethlehem electric star that sits atop the mountain. But Shimon has really created fascinating juxtapositions of imagery that ranges from figures or personalities from Bethlehem's history, from the Moravians, to more contemporary figures like a blackjack dealer from the Wind Creek Casino. And so it does raise all kinds of questions about who are we as a community? Where do we come from? Even how does our community shape who we are and the way that we act and the way that we behave? So that's a really wonderful exhibition that's going to open on September 6th with a public opening the following week, Tuesday, September 13th at 5.30 p.m. We're fortunate to have Shimon giving a public lecture about his work, and that'll be followed by the public reception in our main gallery. So we hope all of your listeners will come join us for that great event. That sounds wonderful. And Shimon's teaching as well while he's there, is he not? He is. He's teaching an undergraduate course this fall in public and community-based art. So, you know, I'm really jealous. I'd love to be sitting in that class myself, (laughs) but I've been fortunate to be getting some previews of Shimon's work and getting to have some great conversations with him. And we're also excited that there will be a publication for the exhibition. It won't come out until next summer, but it'll be published by Black Dog Press based in London and distributed worldwide. Speaking of this kind of connection with community as a through line, I also want to let our listeners know, I think it's fascinating that Lehigh University Art Galleries also offer a membership program, which for the students, for the faculty, of course, it's free, they're members, but the community can also be members. There's this kind of lovely permeability there. And if folks want to hear a little more about this fascinating work that's going on, there's an opportunity on September 1st. Um, I think it's the Downstairs at the Galleries series we're offering. That's exactly right. This Thursday, September 1st at 5 o'clock, we have an event called Downstairs at the Galleries. And it's a really uh, great way to kick off the fall season. Uh, We'll have some refreshments and some entertainment by local guitarist, musician, and educator Mike Lawrence. And we'll have a talk given by our curator, Mark Wansidler, about the upcoming fall exhibitions. And it's completely free to anyone who'd like to come. You can RSVP on our website at luag.org. But it's also a way for us to raise awareness that you can become a member at LUAG for as little as $20 a year for artists and educators. And so for those who might like to get more involved with these behind-the-scenes programs or special talks and workshops with artists, we hope that your listeners might uh, consider becoming a member of Lehigh University Art Gallery. 
And I would encourage them, too, to look at the website because it's interesting to me how much we have these larger exhibitions and offerings, artists and residents, projects. But there's also things like a program connecting food and art and and, and Uh just kind of drop in and sketch in the galleries events and just a lovely sense, again, of community ebb and flow, I think, of of offering opportunities for all of us to kind of spark off of what's in the galleries and what's happening. Uh Thank you for mentioning that. We do really hope to offer something for everyone at the art galleries, you know, whether it's something that is involving art making or creating, or maybe as a program that's more discussion-based, or as you mentioned, uh, programs that connect food and art. That's our Taste of Art series that feature restaurants in Bethlehem. So we really think there's something for everyone at Lehigh University Art Gallery. So we we hope that if listeners haven't been in a while or maybe have never been Mm -hmm. to the art galleries, we hope that they'll come visit us soon. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource. But I particularly just, I love the kind of adventurousness and the wonderful energy of the programming. I congratulate you all. Oh, thank you. We've we've been really excited about it. And and actually, I'm very proud to say with the fantastic work of our team at the art galleries, we've tripled our attendance over the past four years, Mm. despite the pandemic. And so we're we're really proud. And we we think that's a real testament to the enthusiasm for the arts in the High Valley. Well, sadly, I'm almost out of time. But just quickly, how has it felt to reopen? How has it felt to have people coming and ebbing and flowing through the galleries again? Is something different? Do you think this idea of of this conversation about what matters most is something really Mm -hmm. just so appropriate at the moment? Yeah, you know, this past week was our first week of classes on campus. And just seeing people out in the world, seeing people coming into our buildings, of course, seeing people experiencing works of art, I feel like in many ways we're kind of all starting this anew. We're Mm. trying to um, really remind ourselves of how we act, how we might act in certain spaces. And really, I find myself thinking about, you know, there are just so many different ways for people to engage. You know, sometimes people really would like to have very quiet, silent individual moments, and others would like to be surrounded by others in social spaces. So um, know that at the art galleries, we really welcome everyone, no matter how you'd like to experience the space. So so we're really excited, uh, you know, whether people are coming independently or want to become part of a, a group or event that we have. <sighs> I wish we had more time, Dr. William Crow. Oh, thank you so much for great. joining us. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for reaching out, and we look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Kate Scuffle. This is WDIY 88.1 FM, and I look forward to joining you again soon here in the Lehigh Valley Arts Salon. 